Welcome to PWN's Debut Review, a weekly podcast devoted to debut art and its creators. This podcast is co-hosted by instructors from Project Right Now, a nonprofit writing studio. I'm Courtney Harler. And I'm Ray Brunt. Hiding just out of sight, summer mornings, winter nights, your moonlight in Vermont, like a ghost it haunts you. Today, we have a bonus episode of PWN's Debut Review, and I am so excited as we flip the script and put Courtney and Ray in the guest spots. And so we're going to talk to Courtney and Ray today about um, how they started out as writers, talk a little bit about the podcast um, being their debut experience, as well as what inspires them as artists and creative beings. So for the seed pod portion of this, um, let's do what Courtney says. Let's go back to the beginning of the beginning, before the beginning of what inspired you to become a writer. And so Courtney, I would love to start with you and hear your story. Okay. Well, thanks, Jen. I would say all my life, even now, reading is what inspires me to write. And even when I'm unable to write as much as I want to or blocked or busy. Otherwise, I always read. It's something that is part of me. If you if you follow my social media, you I do read books sort of voraciously. Um, and somehow, some way, even on days when I don't have time to write, I have time to read, which baffles me in some ways. But I think that the reading is just part, so much part of my self. It's just so much part of who I am. Uh, I can't go a day without reading. And, and that, and I mean that in that not just, you know, reading for clients or for work, but reading for my own personal and professional development. So always studying the craft, um, was a big reader as a kid and have, um, maintained that through the years. And when, uh, I went to college. I got a degree in business management, which didn't really mm-hmm. align with what I wanted to do and it didn't align with my work experience in information technology either. So I worked for a few years in, in IT doing kind of like technical editing, um, document management, that kind of thing. And then I was home with my kids for about 10 years. And when it was time for me to go back to school, I evaluated like what what interests was I able to maintain just for me, even during those, you know, intense years of raising my kids full time? Um, and the reading was still there. You know, the love of literature was still there. I thought I'd go back to school and somehow become like a professional reader. I was still <laughs> kind of scared to to say that I wanted to write because I had written in those years and I had written kind of secretively and furtively all those years as well, even as a young person. I was afraid to say I was wanted to be a writer, that that was my real passion. So I, I eventually went back to school um, and got an MA in literature, but for which I had to do about a year and a half of post-baccalaureate work because I didn't have the undergrad in English. And then about halfway into the MA, um, because I was writing so much critically, it just sort of opened up 
other pathways and I was starting to write more creatively. And I finally like 100% admitted to myself that I wanted to write creatively, whatever form that would take. I guess back then I always thought it was the novel, but for me, it's more short stories and flash really, and some poetry now and a lot of literary criticism um, and craft kind of stuff as well. Right after I finished my MA, I was married then to a military person and we relocated to Las Vegas. Uh, I graduated from my MA on a Saturday and I moved to Las Vegas on the Monday. And I think that Wednesday, I started my first online creative writing class virtually with a mentor who also became a good friend, Polly Buckingham up at Eastern Washington University. And that sort of set me on my path. I took more online courses for creative writing, specifically in the short story, worked up an application packet for MFAs, and then eventually got into Sierra Nevada University in 2015. So there, there was a little bit of a gap there. But, uh, you know, again, uh, I was a military spouse at the time, and my partner was um deployed a lot of that time as well. So just the timing had to realign and then finished the MFA at Sierra Nevada with Ray in 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, so to bring it full circle, it's the reading. The reading has always inspired me. Um, and I think we'll talk more about this later, but it continues to do so every day. And, and a day that I don't read something that um, I could I can connect with on a craft or personal or creative level is a, is a day that does not feel complete to me. And with that, it feels like, Courtney, it was a progression of a realization of becoming a writer. And I'm curious, was there, with the reading, was there a particular book or story or moment where you really felt connected to the words on the page in a way that you could see that transformation from the reader to the writer? Yes. So as a very young person, probably, you know, eight, 10 years old, it it would have been something like Anne of Green Gables by Lucy Ma Montgomery. And then later as a teenager, Wuthering Heights by Emily Bronte was really transformative for me because I I could see even then that uh, her, her one and only book, her first book, and, you know, and she passed after that very sadly, was not a perfect venture. And that sort of made me love it all the more. Mm -hmm. And then as I've reflected on that, and you know, in more recent years, the the imperfection of that, it's like a perfectly imperfect book, or flip that or vice versa, right? Mm -hmm. So um, it let me see, you know, what she was trying to do as a writer. We know, you know, from research that all the Brontes were avid readers and writers, all four of them. It let me see how a novel could take could take shape from a wonderful, imaginative mind. And I think it gave me the courage to trust in my own imaginative mind. And, you know, maybe not knowing it then, but definitely reflecting on it years and years later. And then um, I also feel like stuff that has elements of autofiction continues to inspire me and inspired me then because I could try to see how the writer would transmute their own experiences into the fiction. And in I learned eventually that, you know, we're not we're not in any way divorced from our fictions, you know, even if they are fictions, that 
that there's always parts of us. And, and my fiction does, does rely a, a lot upon uh, my experiences growing up in Kentucky. Um, a lot of my work is very rural, um, might even be termed Southern Gothic at times. And, you know, I think as, as a person who wants to write but does not does not have any inkling of how that might come about to see to see the way a writer can transmute you know reality into fiction and you know some you know there might be some you know factual bits there but but even when you know the writer takes the facts and transmutes it into fiction it becomes something new and something else and and something um outside of them even though it originated inside of them so i needed to understand that that process of origination one thing that really helped me and i think i've mentioned this before on the pod is ray and i had this great teacher at sierra nevada uh, called Alan Heathcock, and he has a book coming out next year. He gives this talk about five things you know a short story must have in order to be successful. Um, but one of them is originality, and he does not mean that it needs to be different from everything else that's ever written. He doesn't mean that um, it needs to be this you know uh, wild speculative or, you know, outrageous tale. He doesn't mean that in that way. What he means is that the story needs to originate from you. And he always, this tears me up every time, he closes that talk by saying, you are not a cliche. So what you have to say and what you have to bring to the table and what you have to bring to your stories, to the writing table, I should say, to the desk, what you have to bring to your stories originates solely from you. And I do agree and honestly believe that every person has their own original story to tell if they say true to the origins of the story, to themselves and, and, and to the way that only they can express that story. Well, that was just so beautifully expressed, and I completely agree with you. And that's that's the work, right? To to trust the process and to trust your voice and your story, and give yourself permission to tell that story. So I I'm really grateful for your sharing those ideas. Um, okay, Ray, on to you. The beginning of the beginning. What inspired you to become a writer? Where do you see yourself emerging as a writer? Well, I think. For me, I was perhaps not as voracious a reader as Courtney, but I did read. I read novels, and I discovered short stories at a relatively young age. In high school, I took a creative writing class that was uh, an elective, and I wrote this piece that described a day in my life when I was in third grade. And I ran away from school with another member of my class. And he was 13 in the third grade. So he was from Puerto Rico. Uh, He didn't speak great English. And because of that, he was in the third grade. So he and I decided that we were going to run away together. And I don't know, it wasn't really well thought out, as you can imagine, but we kicked a a ball in the woods and both went to find it and we were on our journey. So when I was in high school, I looked back on that day and there was a a, a three-state alarm out for us. There were helicopters that we were hiding from in the woods and we were 
We quickly ran through the crackers that we stuck in our pockets for food. So we started, he started climbing trees to get robin's eggs, believe it or not, for something to eat. And we're covered from head to toe in, with ticks. And finally, a, a police car pulled up alongside us on a road and found us and delivered us home. So that particular experience, that life experience that I had, was something that I looked back upon once I got to high school, and I wrote a story about it. And it was basically autobiographical. And I was also inspired by a humorist by the name of Gene Shepard. And Gene Shepard is probably most known for having uh, the, the short story that he wrote made into a movie called The Christmas Story. Is it the Christmas story? I think it is. Anyhow, I'll double check that. He had a show on the radio and it was on 45 minutes every night on WOR in New York. And he was a storyteller. Um, I didn't realize it so much at the time, but a lot of the stories that he told were stories that he had written. And I later discovered his books, In God We Trust, All Others Pay Cash, was one title. A Fistful of Fig Newtons was another. And he, he wrote several books. They were all short stories. He was a humorist in the, uh, in, in the, like, the George Ade school of humor at the time in the early, I'd say late 60s, early 70s when I listened to him. And he inspired me a lot. So I copied his style probably in that first story. So that story went on, my teacher submitted it to a contest, which ended up winning the best short story in the state of New Jersey by a high school student that year. And which is something I never would have imagined or thought of entering on my own. So, but I was so embarrassed. I didn't go to the ceremony. I didn't tell anyone about it. It was just something that I I did, and I, you know, I personally was proud of it, but I, I, I wasn't looking to share it with anyone. But anyhow, um, that was the, I guess, the initial um, beginning of, of me writing. And then I wrote, you know, a lot of bad poetry for years through high school and into college and actually had some of them published in college literary magazines and had short stories published in college literary magazines. And so it was sort of like a side uh side thing. And, you know, it wasn't something I ever dreamt I would be a professional writer. It was just not, you know, a, a goal that was realistic. And, you know, ultimately, you know, I, I would write, you know, on the side, but I, I, I ended up becoming a, a political science major. I went to graduate school for business administration. So I took my MBA and went on to a 35 year plus business career. And then as I was sort of phasing myself out of my business, I started taking a course in creative writing with Laura McCullough, who also teaches in the uh, MFA program that Courtney and I both graduated from. And she teaches uh, creative writing at Brookdale College in Monmouth County. And I wrote a story and she had me read it and she pulled me aside after class and said, like, what are you doing here? And I said, well, what do you mean? I, I just, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to write again, haven't written in 35 years. And she said, you know, I don't know where you're going with this story, but this is pretty good. And if you want to ap 
actually do something with this and take it seriously, you probably need to go to graduate school. I'm like, what? I'm just taking a course here at community college. You know, I'm not. So anyhow, some time went by and she put me in touch with Brian Turner, who ultimately I interviewed with and ended up going, you know, for the graduate program. And I guess it was five years ago this week that we're recording this, uh, that we graduated. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, I can't believe it's been that long. Yeah. So anyhow, um, those were the, uh, that's, that's how I ended up starting to write. It was taking things from my past and whether I was trying to recreate it or, or, or turn it into something that I thought it should have been. But a lot of what I write stems from my youth. A lot of what I write, you know, surrounded, you know, comes through, you know, from the past and, you know, I, I think I continue to do that, not not exclusively, but I've lived a pretty good life and I've experienced a lot of interesting people and they come back to me in the form of uh, mm-hmm. characters that I that I use and that I write about in these stories that I put together. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I have no interest in writing a novel. I, I write primarily short fiction and I am trying to, as you know, Jen, work on yes. a screenplay as well. But I try and uh, try and mix humor in with those real, real life characters that were pretty interesting people that I've been able to uh, live with. Or, or, um, I actually got to meet Gene Shepard once. He did. Uh, he was recording. He was doing a show at Princeton University. I was able to get backstage and actually meet him, and he was quite an interesting guy. Wow. So got to meet my my childhood hero. That's amazing. And I have an important question for you. Do you still have a copy of that story that won that contest in your yeah, high school years? Actu- yeah, actually I do. I have the handwritten version. I have my mother kept everything. And I mean unfortunately everything. <laughs> so <laughs> I've gone through and purged um all of my public school records and made sure that they were destroyed. So my children could not see them (laughs) because my grades were embarrassing. I did not perform particularly well in school. And I worked for a year in construction after I left high school, graduated from high school, didn't know if I was going to go to college or not and went to community college. And after working in construction with some of the characters that I, I, write about. I decided that's not what I wanted to do for a living. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I moved on from that and went to school and it turned out, uh, you know, I, I was actually a pretty good student when I applied myself and, you know, studied things that I wanted to study. But anyhow, I do have a copy of all of those bad poems that I was going to ask you for that too. I'm like, how yeah. about those bad poems? I actually have some of the, um, the magazines that they were in too, that they got published in. Um, so cool. yeah, all of those handwritten drafts that, uh, you know, I always thought, you know, the first draft is the draft. I mean, you can't go back and rewrite mm-hmm. it. I mean, why would you do that? It's, it's a masterpiece, right? You, you just wrote it yourself. I mean, how could it not be perfect? So you, yeah, I've got all of that and uh, you will not be seeing any of it, Jen. <laughs> 
I know you definitely don't want it to get it into my hands. No. (laughs) As this is PWN's debut review, and we do focus on a debut experience by our guests, I am recognizing that for the both of you together, this podcast is your joint debut experience. And so I'd love to ask you both about, I don't really necessarily want to delve into the why we did it or how we did it, but really about one of my favorite things about the writing process. And I think I spoke about this when I was talking was just about the surprises or the discoveries along the way, something that happens that you didn't necessarily anticipate. And so my question to you is what for you through this, through season one, either surprised or delighted or moved you that in a way that made you really glad that you took on this experience of creating a podcast, which as we know is a pretty huge undertaking. So whoever wants to jump in first. If you want to go first. Yeah, I'll jump in. You know, knew there'd be some work and knew that I would like talking to, you know, debut artists and or or people about their debut work. And I love, love, love like craft talk and lit talk and, you know, just live for it. But the thing that surprised me most is the joy that came from these conversations. Um you know, listening back to them and just just the pure the pure joy we took in you know holding up the work to the light and holding the writers and their work to the light and you know giving them you know space to talk about their work and connecting with them it was just a really joyful experience. You know, there there's you know there's the work behind the scenes that's less joyful. You know, the editing and the and the planning and the whatnot. But just just the pure pleasure of these conversations. Knew I would enjoy it and look forward to it, but didn't didn't know how much so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. The word joy yeah. comes to mind with me as well because, yeah, the work behind the scenes and the time it takes and all of that is one thing. But, you know, getting to meet new people and then getting to, at the same time, experience people that you've that you know, some of whom were involved in the organization, some of whom weren't, but getting to meet new people, audiobooks, that's something that I got turned on to in this past season. You know, now I'm addicted to that. There's so many people that we've got to spend time with that we wouldn't have listening to them tell their stories about how they got started uh, and, and what, you know, what drives them forward, you know, and I, I think just knowing that so many people have listened to this podcast. We've had hundreds and hundreds of downloads now, and it's in Europe, Australia, all over North America, you know, so many different countries that we've been heard in. I find that to be astonishing. Besides, obviously, you know, we're heavily concentrated, a lot of New Jersey listeners, New York, but all over the country and all over the world. So that's pretty incredible, I think, that we were able to start this up and in the first season be heard all over. Thank you for listening to PWN's debut review. I'm Ray Brunt. And I'm Courtney Harler. So that's part one of our bonus episode during which we flip the script. Tune in next week when we continue the conversation with Ray and Courtney discussing what keeps them engaged in their creative processes. We also get a sneak peek into PWN's debut review, season two. So stay tuned because our next debut could be you. 
PWN's debut review is hosted by Project Right Now, produced by Jennifer Chauhan and edited by Adam Wells and Lisa Hartsgrove. Zoe Gullickson is our creative marketing manager. The theme song, Don't Look Away, was written and performed by Mimi Cross and produced by Kevin Salem. Questions, comments, complaints? Email us, debutreview at projectrightnow.org.